So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. So welcome to another episode. And today we have an interview, uh, an interview with uh, Helen Amory, who was actually on the show about 18 months ago. uh, And she did a little um, mini series. There were actually three short episodes that she kindly did with us. going through what it was like to get an understanding of the mind, uh, the understanding behind quality of mind and how it changed things for her. So um, she's back. Uh, and this time we're here to talk about a, a topic that uh, I think a lot of people will find really relevant. Uh, and uh, Helen's got a really nice uh, view on it. Um, and I'm going to let her sort of um, introduce it and uh, we'll take, take it from there. So Helen, uh, welcome back to the show. Lovely to see and chat to you again. Thank you. Good to be here. So, yeah, so today we were going to talk about disillusionment, something that um, essentially, which means we're a bit uh, confused about what's happening in life and therefore something which has really been magnified in recent um, recent times given COVID and lockdown and, and things being very different to normal. But essentially, this is about um, really getting to to some stage in life where you just start to question what's going on? Why is it like this? Why have I not got the sense of happiness or security or fulfillment that I thought I'd have had by now? Especially if we've gone through a certain amount of our lives. So often it is around midlife, this midlife kind of what we mm-hmm. call crisis stage, but actually is a midlife opportunity stage where you know, we've done what society said we should do. We've, we've got a good education. We've had a career. We've climbed the ladder. We've got the house and the family and the car. And it's like, so why is it not working? Why have I not got all that stuff that was promised to me? I was always told, you know, you'll be a good person. You'll be a worthy person. And yet we get to this point and we're like, well, it doesn't feel like that. I don't, it doesn't feel great. It feels flat or it feels dead in some way. Or just, um, I don't know, just like an emptiness to it not what we really thought we were doing mm. all this hard work for. Mm. So, yeah, so that's what I thought would be useful for us to, um, to dig yeah. in. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting the way you described that because I think whether people will identify with every single one thing of those you said, I think there are many people that I come across and work with who would say, would sort of be nodding to some of what you just said, but particularly at a particular phase in our life, as you say, maybe the the middle part of it. And the other way I I hear people talk about it is they just feel, um, it's a little bit like you said, a little bit flat, but they might have lost their mojo a bit. Mm. Things feel a little bit repetitive, like on a bit of a hamster wheel. So, you know, that they, they've, they've ticked some of the boxes in, in their success. So they've got some of the material things, the house, the security, the job. Um, maybe they've been promoted a couple of times. That, um, but it feels a bit flat. Um, 
there are a few things that excite them they look forward to in life, but it, it feels like they need those things to pull themselves up um, mm. because the sort of default level of how much inspiration and joy they take from day to day is probably lower than they romanticize back in their 20s. Um, you know, and it's like, oh, is it going to be like this for the next 20, 30 years? And, and then they start to question things, maybe. Maybe they question their career choice, their, even their relationships, their hobbies, their, their mm. parenting. And, and they, they start looking for what might it be? Um, and can I make a change? But then they can feel a little bit shackled by... Mm. set up well I need the mortgage payments mm. I need I've got the kids and it's all status quo at the moment so I don't really want to change too much but mm. then then that sort of happiness kind of gets normalized back in again um I mean do you think there's people out there that that may not this might sound a bit weird that they're probably in a bit of this phase but they don't really recognize it yeah, definitely. I guess it's like anything, you know, if you, any experience is on a made up spectrum, but is on a made up spectrum. And so, yeah, there'll be some people who immediately resonate and go, oh my God, yeah, that's me. But there might be others where this is just like a, this is maybe just opening a chink of curiosity. And um, I guess the invitation here is to keep following that curiosity because you and I both know what's available on the other side of it. Mm. And if we stay in everything we've always known and following the same patterns of thought we've always known, we're going to keep getting the same stuff. So I guess there has to be both a curiosity to follow and, a, and I guess enough of interest for things to be different than how they are now. Um, yeah. And also, I guess, n- knowing that there's nothing at risk, there's mm. really nothing at risk. My experience of my journey since we worked together, Piers, has been such an evolution. There's been no dramatic, you know, storming off or massive changes all of a sudden, you know, that that stuff just hasn't happened. It really seems to be a very natural evolution, very graceful almost. And I think it's only when when we're caught in, in unhelpful thinking that we get into dramatic um, I'm thinking back to your last episode of the podcast, dramatic extenders style <laughs> experiences, mm. because, that, because that thinking suddenly builds so much that we explode, and that's when that's when we make huge rash decisions. It's that's a very good point because it's almost like the system has been giving us little nudges prior to that, which we've kind of normalized and ignored. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of builds up a little bit to, to, to the sort of drama that you're talking about. And then it can be like, oh my God, I hate my life, you know, and, and, and whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I suppose we're, we're inviting people to have a look before that. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's akin to burnout, you know, that they're, they're yeah. different but similar in a way. There's loads of signs that someone could be heading that way which we mm. just ignore, ignore, ignore until the system gives us the biggest possible sign <laughs> as it shuts, yeah. the, it control out, deletes us. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting, isn't it? We were talking just before the podcast, uh, press record about what COVID and lockdown have done for this, because I think for some people it's put a bit of a magnifying glass or, yeah. or an amplifier yeah. on this. Um, and might have created the little glitch that mm. they need to see, you're like, oh, is it? Is this what I want? Is there another way? Um, 
does it have to be like this? And, and maybe some of that disruption forced by uh, lockdown could be helpful for people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And including all the discomfort of that. So mm. whether that's been the enforcement of being with family who you perhaps can't bear to be with and stuck in the same house together, or and, and that could be a partner, but it could be kids as well. You know, the real confrontation of having to to be so close into that experience. Um, it could be because things have gotten so busy with work and you run off your feet and wondering, God, what am I running off my feet for? And equally, it could be people who've been furloughed, who now have some space and who've been then asking questions going, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Like, <laughs> why am I here? What am I doing? Is this really what I want? And yeah, those are all possible ways that this experience has, has really emphasised what was always there. And that's the brilliant thing. Like, even if we do miss the earlier alarm calls, <clears throat> there will be a bigger one later, like that it will get louder. So it's really, it, we're really fine. Like we'll hear it at some point because we'll be made to if we don't listen in the earlier stages. That's right. And, and, and before we get into, you know, kind of what we would see as, I suppose, a solution to this, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How come people who have inklings that maybe there's a few things they'd want to change don't do anything about it? And and my guess is on that. Well, not my guess. Talking to people, you know, and from my own experience, is that we can't. Although we're not massive, we're not massively joyful and inspired and full of awe in every moment of our lives. We can't quite see with ease how it could be different. Mm. So we think, well, at the moment, at least things. You know, I've I've, I've got the security of you know a house and you know a relationship and a some form of job and I can't quite see I wouldn't want to rock the boat even though they're not loving the boat that they wouldn't want to change something because when they look into their imagination they just see a lot of um, hassle and pain or risk in Mm. changing Mm. so they go well I don't really love it here where I am right now but I can't really see an easy way out Mm. so then they get stuck in that I suppose it's the rut, isn't it? That's what, what the rut is. Um, because they're, they're believing their imagination as to what, if they don't like A, what B would be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, organizations do this you know, when it comes to change, um, that they don't like leaving A because they don't know what B is. Um, and I think we do that individually as well. We're like, well, I'm not loving here, but I'm not sure about over there either. Um, or maybe they've tried it in the past, you know, the grass is greener. So they did try something a little bit different. It didn't work. So they popped back. Um, but they didn't probably do that with an understanding of the mind. That would be yeah. my guess. Um, when you're talking about that, I'm hearing, um, it's something which I think it's Dick and Bettinger's talked about before. Um, the idea of working off the hard drive rather than off the yeah. Wi-Fi. So in that experience, people are working off the hard drive using existing data that's been stored previously and therefore limiting the possibilities that are, that are coming to mind. So it's like, oh, yeah, that happened before. Therefore, that's definitely going to happen again. And, oh, I've seen other people have this experience. So that's definitely what's going to happen to me. Or, yeah, bringing up all the fear stories of, well, this or this or this could happen. What if, what if, what if? And look at all the stuff we've collected about what ifs over the years. So let's, 
you know, regurgitate that from the hard drive and project that onto the onto the movie screen. Like, well, yeah, that's that looks really scary. We don't want to go there. So, so it's really working off that hard drive and not realizing it. And well, yeah, and, and th- there's a big impersonal cloud base out there to to to, to look at rather than the hard drive. And and it's funny actually because back in my positive psychology days, you know, I remember this phrase. You know, you need to. Uh, imagine the future you want, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine the future. So I'm going to write really create in my mind the future, right? And now when I hear that now, I'm like, oh no, I wouldn't do that. No, what would you want to do that for? The, the reason being is that our imagination is pretty limited really because it's generally based on what we can see already. That's why mm-hmm. it's able to be in our imagination um, as an entity as an entity, as a person, what can I imagine? Now, what I think is much more accurate is there's so many things, infinite things, literally, literally infinite things, outside of the imagination that could be our reality. So why do we want to go, right, let me try and imagine one. Now, I, I do get that if you're imagining the future to be terrible as a tactic, it's probably better to imagine a future that isn't terrible. Right, I sort of get as a little little easing tactic. Nice idea. Well, think positive. Think positive. Yeah, better than thinking negative. But I would just don't think at all. Right, I don't mean literally don't think at all. <laughs> but don't be constrained by what your hard drive comes up with, whether that's negative or, or or positive. Because the truth of it, from what I can see, is that we're far much greater than anything that we can ask a, a, a me to come up with. Mm. So. It, it's kind of, um, we can be limited by our imagination. Mm. Yeah, and it's just such a moving feast. I mean, God, we've seen that through COVID as well. Like day to day, everything changing all the time. And it's slowed down a bit now. Well, from what we can see, obviously, it seems to have slowed down, but change is still happening all the time. So it's that thing as well that thinking, even if we could. Um, imagine a future today it's already out of date in the next five minutes never mind tomorrow so there's also a real limit in in doing that because what we tend to do is go oh god yeah that future looks amazing right now I've really got to have that and so now that the mind just clings to that alternative future that it thinks it has to have to be okay and then that just sends us down a whole other rabbit hole because we're now just lost in a whole like in a different way We've got no more clarity. We've got no more freedom. We've just caught ourselves into a new prison and a new rat race, really. Exactly. And that's what I've, I've talked about before that I call the positivity paradox or the optimism paradox is that we think, oh, great. Yeah, it'll be okay because it'll be like that. Mm. We've got no idea what it'll be like. And if we attach ourselves to any particular outcome, like, oh, it'd be okay when, it'd be okay if the economy comes back in 18 months, not in three years, or if I'm allowed to go to Spain for holiday or, or whatever, you know, right? It, it, as soon as we do that, any conditionality, we, we need to just ease off on. Um, so let, let's just get back to disillusionment for a moment. And so let's say someone's been kind of listening to what we said and nodding, going, well, there might be a bit of that going on for me, right? What, what, and let's say they're thinking, well, so what do I do? Well, what, if I came to work with one of you bods, what would you be pointing me to do? Um, so so what's your kind of view on 
the way out or the way forward or the different direction that someone can take if they're feeling a little bit of disillusionment at the moment? Yeah, so um, the word which obviously we used a lot when we were working together or you used a lot with me was correlation. And so I think the primary thing is to see the correlation, not the cause and everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. So when we... Um, when we've thought a job has made us secure in the past and that suddenly it's not making us feel secure anymore or it's been fulfilling in the past and now it's not fulfilling, we would naturally go, oh, well, the job's wrong then. The job needs to be changed in some way. Maybe it's not got enough responsibility. Maybe it's the wrong company. Maybe it's not enough money. And we go chasing, chasing to try and find the different job that will now fulfill us or now secure us. And it's looking to the fact that the job never caused you to feel fulfilled in the first place. It was only ever correlation that the mind settled for a moment to say, oh, good, we've achieved that new job. And in the, in the achievement of the job, it goes quiet because it thinks we're safe. It, it thinks that's, that safety has been found. Mm. But inevitably, the mind kicks back in again and starts churning out its stories again. And we've not realized that it's in the churning of the stories and the believing of those stories that our insecurity returns and our lack of fulfillment returns. And, and in misunderstanding that, yeah, we've just kept chasing the next job or partner or whatever the thing is out there that looks like it's the source of our happiness. And so, yeah, the invitation really is to start to get very curious about where is our experience really coming from because it's not coming from those thoughts. It's, it's, it's the absence of those thoughts that actually brings that amazing feeling of, of deep security or deep fulfillment or, or really real happiness. So it's, it's spotting that when we're feeling a little disillusioned, flat, rut-like, not in our mojo, whereas it might look like, oh, that's because my relationship's not great, my job's not great, my kids aren't great, my prospects aren't great. That's what it might look like. We've been conditioned to think what causes that in the outside world that I'm feeling in me is instead to go, okay, well, if I know my feelings uh, are not telling me anything about my situation or circumstance and I'm just feeling a bit off, what is it telling me? Right? So, so it's not telling me anything about my job or my situation, my circumstances. What is it telling me then? Thought, that thought in the moment. Literally a thought being believed in the moment. Mm-hmm. So if we're believing the thought, this job isn't okay, I hate this job, I need to get out of this job, then we're going to have feelings of fed-upness and right. satisfaction and, and a and a and believe there's a need to change to feel better. Because there's a huge misunderstanding around feelings that, yeah, well, like you just said, that they're telling us something important about the outside world and that they're wrong. You know, if we're not feeling good, we've been told to change that. We've been told to get rid of that bad feeling. So the combination of being told to get rid of it and being told that the way to get rid of it is by changing the outside world inevitably we spent our lives trying to change the outside world experience yeah. to try and change our inner experience. So what about, and I'll, I'll play uh, uh, devil's advocate as a potential listener going, okay, all right then, 
So are you telling me then I just have to put up with my rubbish job? So it's really, really obvious to me that we will always do what makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sitting there thinking, God damn it, yeah, I really hate my job, then you're going to leave your job and find something else. This conversation doesn't ever take away the ability to act. Mm-hmm. All that we're doing is getting clearer and clearer on what's actually true and constant mm-hmm. and what's always changing and what's not reliable as indicators of, of life, mm. of experience. And the, and the clearer and all that we get, the more we um, really get close to reality and we get closer to what's known in our hearts really to be wanted. Mm. And on the way to that, we'll keep doing what makes sense. Yeah. And there's no right and wrong with any of that. So, so this isn't, we're not sitting here saying there's a right way to do life and there's a wrong way to do life. And there's a right state of mind to have to, um, to make a decision from, because then that just sends us in a whole nother spin of, yeah. oh God, am I in the right state of mind just now? Like, how do I know? So really it's, it's, the, it's the exploration of, yeah, what's constant and what's ever changing. And the more we recognize that we've been trying to find constantness in the ever-changingness, the less that makes sense because, yeah, why would we? Mm. You know, it's, it's like trying to pretend a jelly's a brick. It's not going to happen. Well, well I th- let's get into that a bit more because I think that's a, um, it's an important point because I'm going to say it a slightly different way and you tell me whether it's what you were sort of pointing to, is that if we think there is the perfect... Uh, combination of job, relationships, salary, car, shoes, golf score, whatever, that makes wonderful feelings, right? We're kind of wrong, yeah? Because (laughs) those things are ever-changing. So what we think a nice house is can change. You know, it starts off being a little bedsit and ends up being a mansion, whatever it is, right? So so we don't really want to look there for any solidity into what is truly important and available to us, because it's going to change, right? Mm-hmm. And most people probably can guess that. But it's the most tangible thing to look to, so that's where we go. Now, what we're pointing to is something that is innate, inherent in what it is to be uh, this lovely human thing that we are, that is actually something that's pre-human in a way. It, it, it's almost pre Piers or Helen, it's, it's, it's just the essence of, of what we are, which is this amazing capacity to experience life um, with flow and inspiration and joy and resilience and, and the crappy bits, right? Mm. And those, but, but, but in flow, right? With, with a sort of with a, with a knowing that, it, as, as you said earlier, it doesn't really matter what is going on in the ever-changing bit because I, I, I recognize I'm not the ever-changing bit. The true me, the true self is, is something pre-that, right? So that's all just waves on the surface because what we are is something more foundational than that. And once we recognize that, it paradoxically, or maybe not paradoxically, but it, but it just gets easier to work out what to do on the surface of the ever-changing bit. Mm. because we don't put anything, there's nothing at risk. Mm. There's nothing to lose by having job X or job Y, 
mm-hmm. um, or, or, or trying that out or not trying that out. And we get a, um, a more, as what you were pointing to earlier, we get clearer and clearer. We get more what I would call obviousness as to this job's not for me. Let me try something else. But we're not doing that. And it feels like we're betting everything on that decision because we know that the most important thing, which is our capacity for uh, well-being and connection and love and inspiration, can't isn't up for debate. That's not going to get taken by the job or the circumstances. So we are always, always, always going to be okay at the level that matters. Mm. And that frees us up to play the game of life with a different uh, ease and, and aperture. Yeah. Is that sort of what, another way of yeah. saying what you're saying? Yeah, and I love that, that clarity of the same as the job can't take it away. That, like The job can't give it to us in the first place. The job yeah. also can't take it away. It's yeah. um, absolutely works both ways. And, and people notice that, right? So I'm sure you'll find as a client is that they've been in this job, they then decided they're going to leave and they found a new thing to do and then they suddenly start enjoying their job again. And you're yeah. like, well, that's odd. Oh, it's just because <laughs> I know I'm leaving. Is it? Or is it just because your mind is feeling more less contracted and some of the things that you just see the job differently, yeah. right? And, yeah. and, and there's an ease in, in, in that and, and um, it, because it doesn't fit, because you haven't got all the contraction. Yeah, yeah, basically. yeah. So, the weight's taken off it. Yeah, and suddenly you start seeing yeah. it more and, and, um, and, and kids are a great example of that. You, when they're tired, let's say you, you take them on a lockdown walk and they're like, oh, let's go again, I'm so bored. And halfway around, they're like, well, I can't, you know, can't do any further. No, I'm just, that's it. Big meltdown. And then two minutes later, they're like running around the rest of the, the walk. You're like, well, where did that come from? Well, they just forgotten that they yeah, found yeah. the walk boring because they <laughs> traced a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And off they go. And the whole walk now looks different. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and it's the same for us. So, so I suppose... One point we're saying is, in order to, to, to see through this disillusionment, this, this rut, is to know that whatever's going on in the game of life, circumstances, situation, has a lot less to do with actually what is important and, and true to us in terms of our ability for well-being and capacity and resourcefulness. It's, it's not the be-all and end-all at all. And that that is more innate within us, which takes away the power mm. from getting the world right. Mm. Yeah, and brings back experimentation. You're talking about kids who are brilliant at just trying things and making mistakes and trying something else. It returns us to that state of, of experimentation and, and just knowing that it's okay, we can... We could try anything, like you said. You know, we could we could go and change job and see what that job's like. And yeah, that one's not quite right. So let's go and get another one. And even like obviously in the current experience, there are going to be people who are being made redundant, and there are going to be less jobs around. And even in all that, those people are still fundamentally okay. And their their innate brilliance, as I talk about it, their wisdom will will help them find what they need. They will be guided towards help and resource and support. And, you know, I've got, I've had a friend who's gone through, um, not currently, but over the last two years, a very tough time with potential bankruptcy, potential repossession of house, divorce, loss of job for a number of, well, almost a, a year. And yet 
you know, people rallied. There, were, there was a friend who could loan him a car. There was another friend who could do with a house sitter. So, you know, there were, and charities helping financially, you know, support appeared. The things came in the path that were just perfect for what was needed. Now, he had no idea about any of that stuff prior to all this happening. Mm. It comes, it comes as it's needed. That's a great, great example of we, we can't imagine it. Yeah, totally. You know, so we don't want to get limited by imagination. And yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. So let, let's make this a bit more kind of gritty, realistic and go, well, someone might be thinking, well, yeah, but, uh, you know, I might want to change my job and I might want to experiment with different jobs. Okay, but there's less jobs out there. I've got bills to pay. I need this, this, and this. And, and I think you could try and plan your way through that. Mm. right from the hard drive mm. um but i think that's a that's a limited way of doing it because that would be using current thinking to try and work out future thinking and it's it's so interesting isn't it when people assume they need a certain i did an example so people need a certain lifestyle to mm. be okay so well, i need to have you know this much money to go and holidays and the car needs to be like this and the, the clothes and all this kind of stuff. And it is interesting. And I, I hear it time and again with clients is at the level of dissatisfaction they were with their life, they kind of almost needed those material things to make themselves feel better, like going to the spa once a month or going shopping or going on a really nice holiday to kind of almost prop up and compensate for the slightly flat life. Right <laughs> now, <laughs> what, then occur what can occur for people is they see they need a lot less materially to get the same level of enjoy actually more enjoyment and and, and connection right mm-hmm. so yes you still need some money i'm not saying you don't need any money because you know there's still things but yeah. some of the disposable income they thought they needed to maintain their lifestyle they don't need mm. and 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 that was just either to prop up a unhappy lifestyle or it was all tied into their sense of identity going when well, I need to be a guy that or a lady that earns X and if I'm not earning X then what am I mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but that just that's that that can dissolve so rapidly for people it, it, they kind of laugh at it going really did I care that much about money before um so that's worth bearing in mind that a lot of our lifestyles are propping up our comfortable numbness with life yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know what, this might sound like quite a dramatic comparison, but the mechanism is the same as drug addiction. Mm. So the reason people yeah. will move from one drug to the next and, and go for harder and harder drugs is because of that numbing. So, well, that one's not working anymore, so I'll, I'll need to move to the next level. And so the same with this, isn't it? Like people have numbed themselves out by, tr- by believing that the world is their source of happiness and well-being. And so in that numbed out state, it's like, well, yeah, now I need a bigger car. Now I need more spa days. Now I need a more fancy holiday to try and bring some of the life back into life. Mm. Realizing that it was never those things that actually gave the life its life in the first place. I heard this metaphor somewhere and it's, it's like if you're eating an orange and let's say there's a hundred nutritional points in an orange, right? And, and actually we would say it's infinite, but let's just go with hundred. And depending on your aperture, you're either going to get like two of those nutritional points or like 98, right? So it, 
you know, sometimes you can just go for a walk, a very simple walk and just look at a tree and stare at it and think, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful tree. Now, I know that sounds a little trite, yeah? But you get a lot of joy from just seeing that tree or uh, mm. uh, the moment sunsets are doing it for me. I don't know what's going on. I just, I can't quite work out why they weren't like that before. Um, <laughs> and the simplest thing, right, you, 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 it feels like you have it feels like you're extracting more value from it. No, it's not because it's all one and it's all consciousness, blah, blah, blah. But, it, but when you're in a contracted mind, it doesn't matter how beautiful the sunset is, you're getting five nutritional points from it. Yeah. So yes. what we're talking about is what you do in life matters less when you understand the aperture. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense as a sort of way totally, of describing totally. it? And, and what I really hear in that is that, because the, the thing that becomes available from this work is being present in the moment. So the mind, that hard drive mind will always take us past future, always distracted in that, yeah, that small aperture, that, that low level thinking. It's like, yeah, it's so not present right now because it's busy thinking past future the whole time. And it's, yeah, the difference this work makes is the more we see that and we, the more we see these correlations that we've taken as cause, we're naturally brought back to now. Mm. And that's where we're really in connection with life. That's where yeah, the tree looks amazing. And, and this is the thing, like little details can suddenly become fascinating. Again, it's back to that almost childlike state. And yet it's childlike. We still come with all our brilliance of, that we've gathered through our lives, all of our experience and, and beyond our experience. But it's, um, it's, yeah, it's really getting back to that awe and wonder of like, oh my God, look, we can make laptops and we can talk over the internet. Like this stuff's amazing. And uh, these things that, yeah, otherwise would just be background noise and and we've numbed ourselves out from and just gone, yeah, of course we've got Wi-Fi, like big deal. Yeah, and, and actually that, you know, would encourage listeners to do a little thought experiment on that, to just notice, and maybe in the past or in the next few days, times when you've had just the odd moment when you felt really uh, peaceful, connected, joyous for kind of what I would call no reason at all. Mm. what we would describe as no reason at all like well there's nothing going on I'm just sitting with the kids or I'm just going for a walk and and just enjoyed that bliss and then notice what happens after that when the the sort of the thinking or the contraction of the aperture comes back in and it might give some thoughts like, oh I better get back to work or I can't sit around here enjoying myself all day you know and, and all of that comes you know, contracts us back in. And just notice the fact the mind does that because at the, the, the sort of the nub of what we talk about with clients is to help them understand the nature of that. Yeah, not to yeah, try and yeah. fix it or mend it by doing different things here and there, not to prescribe good and bad, but just to point to people to the foundational nature of the, the mind and its capacity to do both of those things. Mm. And importantly, that most of us have spent far too long respecting the conceptual mind narrative and noise and justification. I need to be this, I need to be that, I need to be this, I need to be that. And disrespecting what that space is. Mm. And I guess if there's one thing I'd be urging people to, to get a little bit curious about is, well, what, what is that space that I sometimes fall into is that a legitimate way of actually running my life or is that just for Sunday afternoons between four and four ten? right? You know, 
Because yeah. if, if you had a longer conversation with Helen or I, we would start to show you that you can run your life from that space. Yeah, yeah. And then that balance becomes how it's meant to be. So where we've been running the, the show from that, that conceptual mind, it all back to front, it's, it's the cart before the horse. The conceptual mind is great to put inspiration into action. It's great to turn ideas into laptops and Wi-Fi. But we've been doing it the other way around. We've been trying to run the whole show from that conceptual mind, yes. believing that's the one that's got it all and does it all. And it never has been, actually. It's just really looked like it has been. So really what we're doing is we're not even really changing anything. We're, we're changing the orientation. We're changing the visibility of something, but which has really always been there. And, you know, we just don't, we don't see what we don't see. So we've not been directed to look at what else mm-hmm. is available. We've not seen it. Mm-hmm. And, this is, exactly. and that's why it sounds like a bit of an unconventional pointing or con- conversation to have. But fairly quickly, people go, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. Why did I not consider that? Um, and that's often the feedback we get. Well, yeah, it's really quite obvious, isn't it? When you see it. When you mm-hmm. don't, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Helen, uh, time's been passing, as usual. Um, how would you like to sort of sum this up or what would you like to say in conclusion? Um, I guess, so I'd back your thought experiment and encourage people to do that. Um, and just stay really curious with it. Like I know that both of us are up for having conversations with people just, you know, yeah, just to explore, not nothing, no requirements, no expectations, just if there's anything, anything in what we've said that is piquing your interest and that's drawing you towards this, then do follow that and have that conversation because really we're all designed for this Mm. and, and and we're all really wanting to live in this way from this space. And so if you have got an inclination towards it, then follow that because that is really your, your, your inner, inner wisdom, your innate brilliance kind of saying to you, yeah, let's go back to that. Let's, let's rediscover that way of being that was, that's got lost under the pile of conceptual mind ideas. Yeah. I, I would totally echo that. And just say also just to add that it, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be like that, how it is currently. It's mm. not inevitable. It's not, oh, that's just how life is. Even though the system normalizes it sometimes just to make it less uncomfortable for us, it, it kind of numbs us to that. Mm. It doesn't have to be. And, and the other way is, is actually a lot simpler than we might think. We just need to reorientate uh, mm. pointing. So mm. if there's anything in that that resonates, then as, as Helen said, then let us know. So... Um, Thank you once again so much for coming on and doing this. Um, I, I think people will find it really interesting what we've just talked about, well, hopefully, but maybe people can tell us. We'll um, out, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so thank you again. Yeah, thanks, Piers. Thanks for having me. So everyone, um, I hope that was useful. Um, have fun being curious until next time. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.